Happy Horns and Hump Day, Pagans Tonight Radio listeners. You are tuned in to Great Right Radio on this beautiful Wednesday night. I'm Dr. Susan. And I'm Michael Graywolf. And you are listening to All Acts of Love and Pleasure, the show where we talk about sex, sexuality, relationships, and whatever else we can come up with from a pagan perspective. Tonight, we are marking the winter solstice here in the north. You there, Susan? Oh, are you there, Dr. Susan? Oh, maybe we lost her. One second, let me see. Um, well, I see Dr. Susan is still on... I can't hear Dr. Susan. Hmm. One second. Let's, well, let me see. Let's go ahead and go into some music. Um, Deep in a forest on the edge of the lake An old man is silent,
Howdy. Happy Horns and Hump Day again, Penguins Night Radio listeners. Seems like we had a little tech glitch there, but we have uh, gotten the sage out and sprinkled some salt water around, so hopefully that's taken care of. We forgot to mention that Mercury is in retrograde on this beautiful solstice evening, so hopefully now it has been appeased. So you are listening to All Acts of Love and Pleasure, the show where we talk about sex, sexuality, relationships, and more from a pagan perspective. And we're so glad that you joined us this evening. Please feel free to be part of the show by calling in in the U.S. at area code 347-308-8222. The chat room seems to be glitching tonight, but we'll try to see if we can get that running here in a little bit. And you can join us in the chat room at pagans-tonight.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash love. You can follow us on Twitter at love and pleasure. That's at L-U-V and pleasure. And you can send us an email at actsofloveandpleasure at gmail.com. So how was your week, Michael? What are you up to this solstice week? Oh, goodness. Um, I have been so busy. Uh you know, as I always say, I work retail, so I have been. This actually, this week has not been that bad. Uh, my boss hasn't had to change my schedule on me, um, so that's a plus. Nice. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and you know, our our trucks have not been as bad as they had been. You know, I'm not getting in. Well, no, I take that back. Uh, <laughs> would you believe we're already getting in Valentine's candy? I would believe that. And actually, yeah, our Valentine's stuff sets next week. Wow. Oh. Yeah. That is just wild to me. Yeah. But other than that. The wheel does turn fast. Yeah, but yeah, other than that, um, haven't been doing much. Um, we were, you know, you know, we have all these plans to do stuff, and you know, we'll see. You always have to see, you know, what's going to happen. So, you know, last episode I mentioned wanting to make a cake. I did make a cake, but it was not the Yule log. Aww, <laughs> I didn't yeah. make one either. Don't feel bad. But I did make um, some peanut butter fudge that I took to work and, you know, let my coworkers attack. Everyone, kind of, everyone really liked that. Um, you know, my partner has been busy making his Christmas gifts for people. So our 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 kitchen has kind of exploded at the moment. I would not, <laughs> you know, be I would not I would not feel okay trying to cook something in it at the moment. <laughs> gotcha. I have definitely experienced that particular kitchen situation. And uh, we actually, like right before the podcast, we just got back. I was running up the stairs. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it in time. Um, we had just gotten back from uh, exchanging gifts with a couple of our friends. Uh, he he gave them both stuff that he had made, and I had painted a couple of pictures for them. And, nice. Um, 
And they they uh, they gave us a couple of things too. One of my friends gave me a pair of socks that are Doctor Who socks. They say Bad Wolf, and they have their <laughs> Nice, nice. And our other friend gave us um, both, um, you know those uh, Funko Pop figures? Yes. Uh, you know, they have the mystery boxes. And so she got us, uh, me and my partner both, a mystery box for the Warcraft movie. Because we're both Fun. big Warcraft nerds. And we actually we actually got the same character because you know there's they're mystery boxes and you know it's a right I think I think that series I think it has like twelve figures or nine or twelve figures that you could possibly get and we both got the same one. <laughs> That's funny. But it sounds lovely. Yeah though. and yeah and other than that you know we are getting ready for Christmas uh, Eve. You know, Christmas Eve, we're going to be going down to uh, hang out with uh, Jeff's family. We're actually we're spending the night Christmas Eve in Jeff's hometown, and then we're doing Christmas Day at Jeff's parents. Nice, nice. Uh, Sounds like a, a full weekend. Yes, hmm? yes. What about you, Doctor Susan? How has well, your, your um, it's been busy because I work in academia, so the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks was getting everything ready for graduation and then finishing up grading my uh, couple little classes that I teach. So that was crazy last weekend getting all my grades in. And then this week it's been very quiet at work, so that's been nice. I had my full moon ritual last Saturday. I was a little worried about who was going to make it because it was unseasonably cold and windy in North Texas. It was down, it was like 70 degrees during the day and then dropped into the 30s that night. So it was very, very cold. But, you know, we do meet indoors. So we had a nice group of folks come out and did kind of a hybrid cold moon solstice ritual. Uh, So that was a, a nice way to bring some magic in to the weekend. Um, I worked to benefit that last Friday. The, uh, there's a show, a burlesque and aerial show here in Dallas. It's in its sixth year called the Nearly Naked Nutcracker. And I coordinated the raffle for that. So I worked that show Friday night. Uh, so I got to go out and be burlesque Susan on Friday and be priestess Susan on Saturday. And uh, <laughs> this week... I will be doing my Yule ritual with my small circle of co-priestesses tomorrow night at our friend's house, which I'm looking forward to because I've got, I was able to find some beautiful gifts for them. And it's always a, a very magical time. Uh, and then for Christmas, we'll be spending Christmas Eve at our house and Christmas Eve at my partner's parents' home, which is about 30 minutes from us. So it's uh, mm-hmm. definitely a full time, but, We've, it's not nearly as busy as it's been the last month or so trying to get ready for the end of this semester. And then I'll have uh, 10 days off from work while the university is closed. And that is definitely a blessing. <laughs> I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Do you have uh, any kind of Yule traditions that you practice in your house or that you weave into your Christmas Celebrations? 
Um, not really. Um, considering, you know, before I studied the online path, I was very eclectic and solitary. So didn't really know a lot about Yule when I was, you know, learning. You know, learning about paganism and whatnot. So, didn't really have a lot of stuff to incorporate to uh, traditions. What about your Dr. Sue? Well, you know, I grew up celebrating a Christmas that was already pretty Nordic because of where I grew up and because of kind of the ethnic makeup of uh, my family and the people that we knew. So, I've come to realize that a lot of the things that we did at Christmas are were already pretty pagan. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Hmm. Um, I make wassail every year. I made some hmm. for my office party today. Of course, it didn't have any beer in it, but it's pretty good. Hmm. And I meant to post that recipe after our last show. I didn't get around to it, so I will do that this evening for those who want to check that out on Facebook. Um, we always do a candle lighting and we've been been doing that actually just in the evenings at home. We did it last year and this year that we turn off all the lights and light our Christmas tree and light some candles and just kind of sit in the dark together, which is you know very much evocative of this season. Uh, and we just kind of bring some of those things in to Christmas. We decorate with a lot of natural items and try and really focus on food and fellowship. But that's also very much the way that my partner's family celebrates Christmas. They don't celebrate it. They, they do church, but, you know, they um, celebrate a very European holiday. So it's uh, it blends very, very, very nicely. Um, and uh, you know, we get to do a little baking and a little cooking and work that magic mm-hmm. in um and i'm i'm fortunate that uh i'm able to blend my spirituality in with what the family members i spend time with i know that these holidays can be a little tense for people that have to interact with non-pagan family and uh that that family is not always accepting or welcoming <laughs> so i'm very lucky that it's it's very low key and I'm able to bring in pieces of, of what I do and have it be pretty seamless. Um, eventually I'm going to make a dang you log though. That's the one thing I haven't managed to do. Yeah. Oh, same here. Same here. Yeah. yeah I keep I, I get to the part where I'm like, I have to roll the cake. Nope. It's not happening. Um, but I, I do, I do have some the, great recipes. So. I have seen like some techniques in order to do that, and we actually Target actually sells a thing to roll the Yule log. Really? Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I I I saw it like two weeks ago. I was like, "What is this? Seriously? <laughs> okay." Well, I was reading that there's the the Yule log cakes are kind of like becoming a thing again. They're sort of coming back into fashion, and a mm-hmm. lot of things that people did in the 50s and 60s as part of their Christmas celebrations 
are kind of coming back around. You know how everything comes back into fashion. Um, because yeah. I know I saw, I, I think I shared with you, the article about the Tom and Jerry cocktail that I grew up with. Yeah, in the upper I, Midwest. I, I showed I showed that to some friends, and they were like, "What is this?" You know, the, yeah, the people who I, have lived in the North, you know, Midwest, and they're like, "What? I've never heard of that." Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's like very, very, very North. It's it's for those of you who have never heard of a Tom and Jerry, it's kind of like eggnog, but not. It's its own thing, and um. I grew up with them always at the parties that my parents went to, but almost nobody I know who's under about 40 years of age knows what they are. And if you didn't grow up in a very specific swath of the upper Midwest, you don't know what they are, but now they're a thing again. So, you know, Yule Logs seem to be part of that as well. So maybe, maybe next year I'll, I'll keep an eye out for this thing at Target and I'll, I'll buy it on clearance and practice between now and next year. Yeah. I do have some recipes for Yule Logs. Like I've shared via our Facebook page. I have a Pinterest board for Yule, which, you know, of course I do. So, you know, there's <laughs> lots of good crafts and recipes there. And I think there's about six different recipes for Yule Logs on there. So you know, go and uh, check that out via our Facebook page and see what all you can find. Um, or you could just go to your local Whole Foods and buy a very expensive, very fancy Yule log cake with all kinds of marzipan mushrooms and things on it, but uh, I, I can't. I can't bring nothing wrong with that. No, if you if you can't if you can't make it at home, store bought is fine. Uh, I had some friends who posted that last night they had instead of cake they had a cheese ball shaped like a Yule log, and I could probably get behind that too. Ooh, cheese ball. Yeah, cheese ball, right, right. Yeah, Yule. You should get the. Audience, in case you haven't guessed, for at least for me, Yule is kind of all about the food and the fellowship. It's one of my favorite holidays for that reason. That it's just such a, a great mm-hmm. time to to get together and and celebrate. Um, you know, it's it's just such a a lovely time, and there's you know you have your cities decorated, and you know people tend to be uh, more social, so there's all kinds of great stuff to go. And do so. It's it's absolutely uh, my favorite Sabbath. I know a lot of people prefer Beltane or Samhain, and they're great. But I am definitely a solstice girl. The other thing I love about winter solstice and and this season is the music. So earlier we had Celia, the spirit of Yule, and I think we're going to bring in a little bell book and canto with winter solstice. Thank you. 
was Bell Book and Kanta with Winter Solstice. I'm Dr. Susan, and I'm here with Michael Graywolf at All Acts of Love and Pleasure. And we are marking the beautiful winter solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere, wishing a happy summer solstice to our listeners in the Southern Hemisphere. And we have shared some great ritual and craft ideas on our Facebook page, which is at facebook.com slash love. So if you want to find any of the things that we talk about tonight or anything you might have missed, if you're just tuning in, you can definitely find it there, including my personal Pinterest board for Yule, where there's so much fabulous stuff to wade through. We were talking in the green room about how did we ever keep track of fabulous stuff before we had Pinterest, before we had our Pinterest boards of shadows. (laughs) So, Michael, you were saying that a tradition that you have – marked at Yule is one of sort of releasing and gratitude. And I know that's part of my tradition as well, as we sit through this kind of long night that marks the the movement into the growing light um, that's going to lead us on to spring, taking that moment to uh, kind of reflect is something that a lot of people Mm -hmm. do. So what is the ritual that you like to do around that? Well, it's something I used to do with my friends. Um, you know, we kind of did it more a little bit towards New Year's, but uh, it was it was. Blah, I can't speak. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Basically, it was you know depending on what the year was. If it was 2013, 2014, uh, we would write down. Uh, you know, 13 or 14 things we were grateful for and 13 or 14 things that, you know, we were happy were gone, you know, happy were ending. And then we would burn them. <laughs> Fire, yes. Yeah. Yes. But burning stuff at Yule, is, is, that's one of my favorite things. I, I like it better when it's cold, but I have been known to do a burning ritual in uh, the middle of a 70 degree evening when it needs to, to be done. And I, I really yes. like the idea of, you know, having this double list of something you're grateful for and then the things you're sort of ready to let go. 
Mm-hmm. Now, and what about you, Dr. Susan? I really like, I was introduced to the idea of a burning bowl ceremony probably about 10 years ago. And I have made that part of my Yule ritual or my solstice ritual uh, in the winter. And like you, sometimes it, it ends up happening a little bit closer to New Year's, depending on when I can get together with my people. But it's part of the season. Um, and you know, I actually love to use an actual uh, one of those fireballs if I can. But I've also used a cauldron or anything that's fireproof that in circle within you know meditation we'll think about the things that we want to release um, either things that have happened in the past year or things that we've kind of become aware of over the last year that it's time to let go of um, and we write them down usually if I can get parchment that's great but you know, with whatever we have we either write them down I have some friends who prefer to draw them which is totally fine. And then we ritually burn them one by one. And then the, so the second part is to talk about now that these things have burned away, what are we making room for to come in? Um, and it's, it's so, so simple, incredibly powerful. There's something about writing something down and burning it and then making this declaration in front of people in sacred space that you're sort of ready to be done with whatever it is that really makes it so. I've, I've really um, gotten a lot out of building that into my holiday. And I know that releasing of sort of all kinds are like, you know, kind of, I don't want to say traditional because we don't really know what our ancestors did, but are common among a, a lot of pagans, especially those that kind of practice in kind of the, the Wiccan-based um, mm-hmm. framework that a lot of folks here in the U.S. use. Um, and bringing in the piece of gratitude is also a, a key part of it all. Um, have you done any other sort of like purification or any other kind of releasing? Because that, that energy is just so prevalent at this time. I have not, but I do know quite a few friends that like to do, um, that practice various, you know, all types of different magics, uh, hoodoo and root working and all types of other stuff, uh, who talk about using cleansing baths. Yes. Yes. Um, And that was something that, yeah, that, that was something that, um, Hyperion uh, talked about quite a bit in the Unnamed Path podcast, uh, especially when he did his uh, Dr. E's corner thing where he was talking about the products that he made. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I have a, a, a favorite cleansing bath that I make in the winter. It's a riff on a Scott Cunningham recipe, actually, mm-hmm. of all things. Um and I, I like it because not only is it a fabulous cleansing bath for myself, but it makes a really lovely gift for people. Ooh. And for mm-hmm. magically minded people, they can use it as a purification bath. For people that maybe aren't as magically minded, it can still be a really beautiful, really fragrant gift. Because um, I'm a believer that 
just because it's got magical herbs in it doesn't mean it has to smell bad. Mm. Um, so I'll, I'll post the recipe, but it's it's very simple. It's just a I use um, Epsom salts and sea and sea salt to make my base, and I know some people put some baking soda in that as well. And I use pine and juniper and a little bit of eucalyptus and a little bit of frankincense. Um, it's what did I? It's usually something like you know, two parts of pine and two parts of juniper and one part eucalyptus and like just a little bit of frankincense to kind of get that resiny smell in. And it makes just mm-hmm. such a lovely cleansing bath, or you can also use it as a scrub in your shower. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes out mm-hmm. white, but I have dyed it green with food coloring and put it in pretty jars to give to people. So, and you can, you can bathe in that. I won't, I won't turn you green. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's a lovely way to either prepare for a ritual or even just to kind of cleanse and wash the old year away. Um, and it mm-hmm. doesn't take long to make, and you can make a lot of it at once. So there, that's also a big appeal. Um, and I know that there's, there's lots of herbal recipes out there, but that one I like because I can, I always have those oils on hand. <laughs> so it's super, super yeah. easy. And there are, some other uh, essential oil blends for this season that I'm gonna gonna post. There's one um, that's lemon, peppermint, and lavender that is really really nice for cleansing, and one that is um, spruce, pine, and cedarwood, which would also be really nice for for a cleansing ritual as long as you weren't allergic to the cedar, which a lot of the people in my mm-hmm. life are. So I try not to give them things with cedar because nobody wants hives <laughs> for you all. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, a funny thing when you know we were getting ready for the show, uh, right before you know we decided what we were going to talk about, one of my brothers in the unnamed path um, actually was talking to. He was talking in our group chat that you know we chat that the can't speak. Oh my God! It's been, it's been a long day. Yeah, um, he was you know talking to the brothers about a play. It's actually a seasonal play that he co-wrote and was going to be putting on at a Unitarian Universalist church. Lovely. It's like, like, oh, this sounds interesting because he gave us a brief description of it, because uh, a lot of the he. He tried to make it non-denominational, but he also worked in some of our unnamed path stuff into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called The War of the Elves, a Yule mystery play, and it's by Matthew Sidney and Sarah Wilson. Matthew is my brother in The Unnamed Path, and he's also my co-host on my other podcast, Walking the Unnamed Path. And let me let me read the little description that he gave us because it's about twelve pages long, twelve or thirteen pages long, and you know we just we don't have time to read all that at the moment. No, but it would be really fun to maybe see the reading of that for next year. Ooh, a uh, radio old old timey radio style reading. Yes, which would be very appropriate for. 
the winter holidays. And actually, sort of mystery plays are very appropriate for the holiday as mm-hmm. well. So I, I love that he's bringing that tradition kind of full circle, if you'll forgive the pun. <laughs> well, the description that he gave us uh, goes, the goddess of the stars changes, oh, sorry, charges the lord of light and the lord of darkness to rule over nature's balances of husbands. He's kind of queered oh, a little bit. <laughs> their, servants, the, their servants, the elves, screw up that balance. The Lord of Light fades. The Lord of Darkness gives up his life force to restore the Lord of Light. But they trade places. The Lord of Light, having been healed to his husband's self-sacrifice, must now rule over the darkness to help hold it back so the days can get longer. The Lord of Darkness being reborn becomes the new Lord of Light. But he's just a baby. You know, think Christ, child reborn, short sun, short days of winter. So it's basically the Oak King and Holly King as husbands instead of rivals. Uh, it provides Love a that. mythopoic context uh, for how the gods change places. I love that because the the story of the Holly King and the Oak King and their battle um, at the solstices, I mean, that's so prevalent in uh, sort of European-based paganism, and it is usually this sort of battle. And it's one of the only times that we see sort of multiple male archetypes in ritual a lot of times. And so to, to take that from a kind of a violent confrontation to one that's about cooperative um, sort of partnership is really, really interesting. And to bring in the the aspect that instead of rivals that they're husbands, I think is a really, I love that, uh, a way to uh, kind of queer that myth and and bring that, that story in mm-hmm. a new way. So I've shared a couple versions of the Holly King and the Oak King um, to the Facebook mm-hmm. page for people for whom that's not part of their Yule tradition. Um, but I, I mm-hmm. just love if we can get permission to, to share that or if there's a recording when, when he stages that. Um, I love uh, that. There, there actually is. Wonderful. Um, there's pictures and I, there's video, but I didn't sit and watch and see how long the video was. Matthew posted it to his Facebook. I'll see if I can get permission to share it. Oh, that would be lovely. That's you know the way that we uh, kind of take this these traditions and bring them into modern times and make them fit our lives is I think a huge part of the appeal. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I actually love a lot of that, that that makes me think of uh, what the band Incubus has done with uh, the Holly King and the Oak King. So let's let's have a little Incubus hail to the Holly King to follow up on this new version of that story.
the winter solstice. That was Incubus with Hail the Holly King. I am to the Holly King who is part of the myth cycle of the Holly and the Oak King at both the winter and the summer solstice. We're celebrating the winter solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere tonight and wishing a happy summer solstice to our listeners in the Southern Hemisphere. So, Michael, are you done with all your shopping? No. (laughs) (laughs) I still have one more person to get a gift for, and um, I'm trying to figure out what it is that I'm going to get them. I kind of already figured out, well, a Secret Santa thing that I'm doing with Jeff's family. But, you know, it's not okay. really Secret Santa because everyone told each other who they had. And I was like, that's not how you're <laughs> supposed to do it. No, I got, no, uh, that's not how you're supposed to do it. I got Jeff's uh, youngest sister. And uh, I was like, I have no idea what to get her. You know, I, I, I could, everything that pops in my head is kind of funny. Or, you know, it's gag, you know, some sort of gag gift or something like that. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to do that. But you know, Jeff told me that his mother had mentioned that she, his sister was wanting picture frames. So I was thinking I could get her some picture frames, but probably be better if I just got her a gift card so she can get the frames that would go with her decor. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. So I will probably do that. Um, But, uh, you know, I I got Jeff's gifts earlier in the year. I was going to get one more thing. I still might do that, but maybe next week when I get paid again. Um, Because, oh, money just goes so fast around the holidays. (laughs) Oh, it does. It does. Uh, I've definitely spent uh, quite a bit this year. What about you, Dr. Sin? Did you get all your gifts yet? I think that I'm done. I ordered my last two from Amazon today because I couldn't find them in brick and mortars. So uh, those are going to be delivered on Friday, and I think that I'm done. (laughs) Uh, But I always do end up with one or two last-minute things that I need to toss together, either I got invited to a party where there's a gift exchange or, you know, I realize that I've forgotten somebody or somebody gives me something and I I want to give them something back. So, you know, I have a few Mm -hmm. uh, kind of my favorite go-tos for last minute gifts uh, that I've always got the stuff readily available Mm -hmm. um, to put together. So that cleansing bath that I mentioned is one of my favorites because it looks really pretty in a nice jar or even in like a pretty bag, a pretty plastic bag tied with a, a ribbon. Um, and you can, I, you know, I've usually got that on hand cause it's something that um, I keep in my, in my Etsy shop. So I'll do mm-hmm. that. And sometimes like I said, I'll go ahead and color it um, or I'll make a, a peppermint bath salt. Um, mm-hmm. and layer it in red and white layers in a jar so it looks kind of like a candy cane. Those are my two favorite last-minute gifts um, for people that I know will will use such things. Do you have a go-to for a last-minute gift? Gift card, usually. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a gift card. 
yeah. there's nothing you wrong know, with getting someone getting someone a gift card for like Fandango or uh, one of those gift cards that's good at like seven restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've even gotten a couple that are just the general Visa gift cards, and they were really useful. Yes, yes, those are good too. Um, and actually, you know, this wasn't a last-minute gift, and but um, remember earlier I mentioned, you know, something that our friends gave us for Yule. Mm-hmm. One of mm-hmm. our friends made a donation in our name to uh, HRC, and. What was the other one? I can't remember. It, on the top of my head, I can't remember. <laughs> but, you know, that's another idea. You know, making a – if your friend is politically minded or, a, you know, socially act, social activist, making a donation in their name for one of their favorite organizations is definitely yeah. a good idea. Yes, I had some uh, friends make donations to um, the water protectors at Standing Rock for my birthday earlier in the month, and mm-hmm. that was absolutely, you know, the best gift they could have given me. Um, some tangible support for, you know, my prairies and my river and the people that I, I share her with um, was was really beautiful. And I know in this uh, season after the election, there are a lot of people who are making donations. Um, either in the name of sort of progressive friends and family, or I've known some people that are kind of like, I don't want to have to get a gift for my, you know, my Trump support and uncle. So I gave, you know, a donation to Planned Parenthood in his name. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you have to judge um, based on your individual family situation, what that would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've known several of my like more lefty friends who are, doing that like well fine you deserve to get a card from the trevor project thanking them for your donation (laughs) Uh, and certainly you know and then in sort of the pagan world you can make a donation to circle sanctuary you can make a donation to an organization like cma um or an organization sorry when you said the trevor project that clicked in my head it wasn't the hrc that my friend made a donation for it was the trevor project i was like that's what it was I love the Trevor Project. Um, they do they do such good work working with uh, trans and and other queer youth um, who are at such mm-hmm. high risk. So yeah, that is something to, to consider. I know some people are feel like oh that's not really much of a gift, but um, you know I am somebody who definitely appreciates when donations are made in my name to causes that I support. So that's, that's something to absolutely consider. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, you have and, to. Yeah, sorry. It just depends on oh, your no, friends. No. You know. It does. Mm-hmm. It does very much. Um, you know, I've I've definitely known people for whom that would not be something that they would want, but um, I think especially now when and a, a lot of us are sort of concerned about the state of the country and even the state of in the state of the world. Um, you know, for if that's something that you can do i think that's a a fabulous thing um and of course there are gifts that don't cost any money they just cost time um Mm -hmm. you know i've given people tarot and oracle readings or given them sort of a you know a a certificate that they can book a reading with me um 
know, or if you know somebody who would like to have a Reiki session or something like that, those can be a wonderful gift that doesn't cost you money, just costs you your energy and your time um, that people will definitely appreciate. Um, and then I have I found a great article about last minute do-it-yourself gifts for Christmas, and I looked through the list and went, oh, these are all things most of the pagans I know would like. So I, I posted <laughs> that, um, you know, at, mm. most people, of course, already think about things like baking or making fudge or, you know, that kind of homemade gift. But, um, you know, they're, I actually love receiving things like that. I love giving them. So I got a box of homemade jellies from my sister up in South Dakota the other day, and that just made my day. Open that up mm-hmm. and know that she had spent time making those things for myself. So if you've got a, a favorite last minute go-to gift idea, please feel free to share it on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash love. And after all the gifting is over, we get to thinking about New Year. So where, what do you think about New Year's resolutions, Michael Graywolf? I think... I know people have strong opinions. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I... You know, screw making New Year's resolutions. I never keep them or, you know, I know some people who are like, they are so gung-ho about making resolutions. They're, they get so excited about it. And I like making resolutions. You know, I think, you know, it's okay if you don't want to make them. And if you do make them, you know, don't feel bad if you aren't able to keep up with them, you know, throughout the year. I know I've definitely done that. You know, I, you know, one thing I like to do is because I actually write down the resol- my resolutions. I will go back and look and see, okay, did I do this? Did I do that? Did I do this? And whatever I didn't do, I just add it until I actually do it. I think that's a great approach. I know I have kind of changed the way that I look at resolutions over the last few years. That you know, I think that it's really um, very easy to get get swept up in the January, like, oh, I'm going to lose, you know, X amount of weight or gain X amount of weight. And I'm going to, you know, never eat junk food again. It's really easy to get sort of swept up in that. And then, like you said, you know, you, a few weeks in, you fall off the wagon, you feel bad about yourself. Um, I think that it is, uh, you know, it's totally okay not to make re- resolutions. It's totally okay to make them and uh, maybe keep them imperfectly. Um, and I've chosen to uh, just make one going in mm-hmm. to the new year and I'll usually make it at solstice around whatever it is that I've decided I want to welcome into my life. And I really try to think about them not in kind of all or nothing terms like, Oh, you know, yeah. I'm going to give up caffeine or whatever. Um, but instead thinking about how I can kind of approach myself and my life with love and with gentleness and yes. make changes. Um, and I try to, you know, think about in terms of that one resolution sort of the small pieces and think about things that are small and achievable and measurable you know if I want to say Mm. well I want to be healthier well what does that mean but I'm like well I want to exercise three times a week that's something I can measure and it's something that if one week I don't do it okay well I'll just do it next week and and I've found that that ironically makes it a lot easier for me to stick to what I'm doing and it makes sure that I'm coming out of a place where I'm making changes in my life, not because I think that what I had was bad or because I'm hating on myself. And just that little bit of a shift has been huge. And I've, I've found that you know, making sure to back it up with some magic is good too. 
we forget no, that maybe, we're Will Walker. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe that's something we could talk about on our next episode. You know, I think that sounds like putting a our great will and intent into res- our resolutions and whatnot. Maybe if we're both willing to, maybe share a resolution or two that we are going to be working on for next year. I think that sounds like a great idea. And I would love if people want to email in or Facebook in their resolutions or plans for the new year. And I would love to have a whole new year special because our next show will be on, let me do the math, January the 3rd. No, uh, 4th, 4th, yes. January 4th. So right within there. So, yes, we will have the all acts of love and pleasure new year's special excited by that you know speaking it's, of new year's what <laughs> i was gonna say what are you looking forward to in the new year dr susan um i am really looking forward to um growing my blog and my website i've been putting a lot of energy into that um in the last month and a half and thinking about what i want there I've got some new courses coming up. I'm going to be expanding my space at Mystery School of the Goddess to include some kind of uh, gender studies type classes. So I'm going to be teaching a, a basic class for anybody who wants to take it on intersectional feminist theory. There have been a lot of folks since the election, a lot of white folks in particular, that have contacted me and said, I feel like I need to learn more. Um, about social activism and feminist theory and um, kind of issues around uh, race and racism. And um, in the spirit of uh, being a white lady and coming from my people, I'm going to teach that. I'm, anybody of any race or ethnicity can take the course, but that's sort of how that was born. Uh, and I'm also going to develop a, a spiritual activism course to teach in that space um, and a couple of goddess activation courses. So I haven't done as much with that portal at mystery school as I would have liked over the year and a half that I've had it. So I'm really looking forward to growing that and feeling really inspired to grow that and Mm -hmm. and see where that takes me with my teaching and and with my work. So how about you, Michael? Well, maybe, Major thing that I'm looking forward to next year will be the move back to Dallas. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, there's that. Um, and trying to do a little bit more traveling uh, next year uh, because uh-huh. Jeff and I, we have, we've made quite a few friends up here in the Midwest and, you know, we want to go visit them before we move. But that's not to say we won't visit them after we move either. Of course. <clears throat> But, you know, you know, we want to go to Chicago and do a few things. We want to go back down to St. Louis and do a few things. And obviously, you know, make as many festivals and whatnot as we can. Speaking of festivals, mm-hmm. if you are someone who goes to PSG, you know, they announced it a couple of weeks ago. They have announced the location and registration is open. Excellent. And it's going to be and back you, yeah, at you, Tall Tree Lake. I was going to say, you're, uh, did I see that you were back at Tall Tree? So. Excellent, yes. excellent. And yeah, get you know, those, that's, get another, that's another good uh, last-minute gift for any pagan would be a gift certificate to uh, PSG. They do offer yes, those. And I, I, 
I love that that's an option that you can, you know, somebody can give you a, you know, $20 gift certificate or whatever, and you can use that towards your registration. Um, yes. You can kind of stack them up. I think that's a beautiful idea. Um, well, speaking of travel, I know Pam is going to be uh, on the Pagan Variety Show here in a few minutes and talking about some of the places that are on a lot of Pagan's, I hate the term bucket list, but I'm going to use it on a lot of Pagan's bucket list. Um <laughs> sacred solstice sites. So uh, I was just talking about my, my one and only visit to Stonehenge with a coworker today. Uh, but there are a lot of sacred sites around the world that uh, were ancient sites of solstice celebrations and to which modern pagans still flock. So I hope you'll stay and listen to Pam talk about these amazing sites. Next week, it'll be Jason with Raise the Horns Radio. And in two weeks, we'll be back with, we have just decided, the All Acts of Love <laughs> and Pleasure New Year 2017 special. So send us your resolutions or your ritual ideas for welcoming the new year or how you kind of set your intention for the new year. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you then we're going to take you out with a little S.J. Tucker snow moon. And until until next year, I am Dr. Susan. And I'm Michael Graywolf. And you've been listening to All Acts of Love and Pleasure.
I'm here. <laughs> it is time for the Pagan Variety Show here on Pagans Tonight Radio Network. I keep forgetting that when I call in, it makes my mic live. I'm like looking, I'm waiting for the song to end. Hey, it's Pam It. I hope you're having a very good Yule. Um, I love the peace of this time of year. I love the, the darkness, and I, I almost... I almost dread the fact that this is the longest night and that the days are going to start getting um the days are going to start getting longer because I really do enjoy this time of year. I had a discussion with somebody earlier this week um they're of of German heritage and they were asking me uh because they in their family they do a lot of German type Christmas Yule celebrations uh with with their family. And so he was asking me, because I lived there in Germany, some of the things I remembered. And I couldn't remember exactly when sunset is around this time of year. So I looked it up just to give you an idea of what it's like for solstice in a place like Frankfurt, Germany, uh, which is pretty far up north compared to where I live right now in, in North Carolina. So the sun sets around 4.26 today, and then it will rise around 8.44 in the morning. So if you can imagine how dark it gets there, it's by about 6 o'clock at night, it's it's already dark, dark. Not, you know, just the sun is starting to set, it's dark. And that is why things like... The, the candles and having lights on, on such, that's why it's such an important part of Yule. Uh, and also the, the <clears throat> excuse me, like the Yule log. 
Um, I didn't hear all of All Acts of Love and Pleasure, but I did see some of the things that they posted about the Oak King and the Holly King. And trees are, this is a, a this is a really important tree holiday, which I, I like. I, I like trees. Trees are cool. <laughs> trees are very cool. Uh, so that's part of, you know, we've got the, the, the Christmas tree, the trees, uh, the Yule log, the Oak King, and the Holly King. Um, if you're friends of mine on Facebook, my cover photo, which is public, you can find me. Uh, it's one that I took a year ago, and it's a it's a brown oak leaf curled up in the the holly leaves at uh, the UU Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. So, really love that that picture. And one of the other things I love about this time of year is I love to talk about the solstice. I love to talk about astrology, usually, and I love to talk about, I've got a new word that I, I learned. I, I didn't know that there was a word for this, and now I do, because I was trying to figure out how do I say this thing that I want to say. Archaeoastronomical. Archaeoastronomical. <laughs> So archaeoastronomical sites is what we will be talking about tonight. And, of course, as I'm dialing in to the show, I glance at my my cell phone and I got a tweet from BBC News. And BBC News, of course, is posting the solstice celebrations at where, where, what Dr. Susan was talking about, the one that's probably on every pagan's, you know, is, she hates to say it, but I don't hate to say it, bucket list, is to be at Stonehenge this time of year, to be at Stonehenge and to, it would be awesome to be there to celebrate and, and see what the solstice looks like there and in Wiltshire. Um, and, of course, I go to... The BBC News website, and uh, <laughs> and you heard a, an advertisement that started. But as cool as it would be, just to, to be there to witness the sight of the of the sun rising on on solstice on the solstice morning, it would be cool to be there with all the people and all the the drumming and all the noise and all the celebration. Because that's what it's it's all about. <laughs> it's all about everyone coming together and and sharing this time. And I find that 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 is one of the the things about the solstice, about uh, Yule, or however you celebrate this time of year. It's all about people coming together, and there's always that that uh, element of light being part of it. Whether you're talking about Hanukkah candles or or our Yule Log. So if you get a chance to check out what they have uh, on the BBC site, it's pretty cool talking about the thousands of people who were there today to see the, the solstice. And I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and pop that into if you're in the chat room, you'll see it in the chat room. Uh, what they're saying in England right now, uh, daylight on, and this is for England around uh, the Salisbury Plains, Daylight on December 21st lasted for just seven hours, 49 minutes, and 41 seconds. You can imagine that. And then, then put it on the flip side, <laughs> when you get to the 
oh my goodness, when you get to the summer solstice in, in England, I had I had small children back when I lived in England. I lived in England for two years. And, you know, small kids, crack of light, they're still up. If there's sunlight still still out there, they, they're not going to go to bed. So let's see, just shy of eight hours of daylight on December 21st, we're talking about just shy of eight hours of night on when you get to the solstice, uh, the summer solstice. And it honestly doesn't stay dark, dark for very long at all in the summertime. It's it's pretty cool. The the light is are it's already starting to get light, at, you know, right around four o'clock in the morning. I used to do overnights at a radio station, <laughs> and yeah, I used to see the sun coming up. So what is happening at the what is happening with these sites is is whoever designed them figured out where what the sun was doing throughout the year. And we know if we know if we remember our geography, if we remember our earth sciences well enough, we know that when the sun hits a certain point, I think it's 23 and a third degrees, but tw- uh, the, the, when they hit, the, when the sun is over the top of the Capricorn for us in the northern hemisphere, that is when we hit the shortest uh, day of the year in our solstice. And the the sun lines up perfectly to to come through to to shine through certain pillars on on uh, Stonehenge to show that, that that's happening. That's what I'm talking about about the uh, astro the archeo astro uh, <laughs> archeo. I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna have to remember how to say this again. Archeo astronomical sites is they they whoever planned these sites knew that specific things were going to happen through specific times of the year. And when you do a search on archaeoastronomical, you're going to find some cool things. And not just, I'm not just talking about England. I'm not just talking about Stonehenge. Because that's, you know, probably, whether you're pagan or not, the most popular one out there. But I found one here in uh, what is now the United States. It's an ancient site in Borough Flats in California. There's a winter solstice pictograph there. I don't think that you can go to it. Um, it's a local cave painting that it lights up with sunlight every year on the solstice. And I, I believe that that area is, is blocked off now because because of you know to protect the area and also because it sounds like they did some <laughs> they did some radio radioactive testing of stuff there too so it's probably a a, a dangerous place to go but it it was a a location for for some movies especially westerns so if you can check that one out now what they say in this article that I'm looking at is that the the flats pictographs are reminiscent of the famous Newgrange cave in Ireland. And if you listen to the show, to my show, uh, you know that I talk about Newgrange. That's the one that I have at the top of my my bucket list. I've been to Stonehenge. In fact, I, I have in my my pictures on uh, Facebook pictures that were taken when when I visited Stonehenge. But Newgrange is 
up in Ireland, and for the longest time, it, they knew it was a tomb, but they didn't realize the, the, the secret about it. And there was an opening to the tomb, and one, one day a year, light comes into a window box and hits the very back of the cave. Now, there's some talk. Some people are saying that New Grange, well, there's one, one person is saying that the New Grange um, phenomenon was created like 50 years ago and that it's not, that the light hitting the back of the cave is a new, a new thing, so that the window box that it shines through was done recently. And he basically says that it's a bunch of uh, hooey, that this is a, an important site. But um, I think he's the only person. I think everyone else says, look, we found all these artifacts around here that date back uh, through the centuries. So it may have been forgotten, but I think that it, uh, there's no way that you can deny. I mean, even if the window box was placed there later, it still lines up perfectly. The sunlight pierces the shaft of this tomb, Newgrange, in Ireland. It pierces the shaft of the tomb to hit the back of the cave. Now, what that is said to be, and because we don't know for sure, because you know most of our the the ancient Celtic ways were were passed down by um, by an oral tradition, what it has been said is that the sun is a masculine force, the earth, Mother Earth, is a feminine force. And this is uh, this piercing of the womb of the earth on the winter solstice is brings the spark of light. It's supposed to, to signify the great right. It's supposed to signify sex. And it's supposed to bring to life the earth. Makes sense to me. Makes perfect sense to me. So, um, if you can get a chance to see Newgrange. Today, what you do if you want to do Newgrange is um, there's a lottery to to be a person who can actually be in the um in the the um in the shaft when when the solstice is hits so you can see it uh light up the the um the very back of the cave so that would be really cool wouldn't it uh I saw the pictures there if you do a search on it <laughs> there was some celebration there too it's not as big as the one in uh, at Stonehenge. Stonehenge, of course, is is, is huge. But uh, I did see a picture there in Ireland. And, of course, Ireland's farther north, so further north. So there's going to be, as I said, almost eight hours, a little shy of eight hours of sunlight there on the Salisbury Plain. I'm sure up in Ireland, you know, I, you, I, I would say it's pretty safe to, to, to shave off at least four to five minutes, if not more, uh, of that. So last year I know it was rainy. Today it started out rainy, but then, or the clouds were covering it in New, New Grange, but then it, the clouds passed, and it was there was sunlight that was able to come through, and uh, and have hit the back of the cave. So it did happen uh, at New Grange. There was also somebody on top of the tomb naked. <laughs> you can see in the pictures. Uh, yeah. No, I have no idea if this guy was a pagan or not, but more power to you, dude. Anyhow, I don't think I'd want to be anywhere that far north this time of year naked. I don't care what you <laughs> what your feelings are. 
But um, let's go back to that thought of of Mother Earth being sleeping. We 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 understand that hibernation. We understand that the the trees, uh, the leaves fall. They seem to sleep, and this is the Earth waking up. This is the time of the Earth waking up. That's the sun coming back to bring life back into the Earth. And I thought I'll go ahead and play a song to kind of uh, celebrate that that type of thinking. And the per- the one that, that I would like to share with everyone is from the Green Album, Ginger Doss, the first song on the album, and Gaia Lids on Pegasus My Radio Now. It is your gift to walk the earth. With every step, you must remember this. She was
one, that was Gaia Liz from Ginger Doss and the Green Album on Pagan's Night Radio Network. And I've actually been talking for like about 20 minutes without the mic on. Yay, Mercury Retrograde! <laughs> I was talking about some very interesting things about the Anasazi culture and the, the Sun Dagger and what is now uh, New Mexico, near Albuquerque, New Mexico. Chaco Canyon. It's about 400 feet above the desert floor, and it's it's um, it's amazing what what they've discovered there. In 1977, they an artist Anna Sofar. She's uh, exploring the rock art in that the canyon and came across some light patterns and and uh, two spirals. So she 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 suspected that it, it meant something. And so she kept coming back to check it out and try to figure out what it means. Now, the Anasazi, if you don't know about the Anasazi, they were a a pretty advanced culture of people that lived in the southwestern United States in that area, and they just disappeared. They were prevalent in that region, and they just, boom, gone. Uh, They lived there from about 500 to 1300 CE, and they had that, they they were like... um, what do you call them? Pueblo dwellers. They they cliff dwellers. They they had their their uh, whole cities like on the side of the cliff. Well, there is a uh, about 400 feet above the canyon floor in Chaco Canyon, near the top of an outcropping known as Fajada Butte. Three slabs of sandstone are leaning against a rock wall, creating a shaded space. Carved into the shaded wall are two spiral petroglyphs, one large, one small. Sunlight passes over them at various times throughout the year as it streams through the chinks between the sandstone. But it wasn't until the 1970s that the true purpose was literally illumined. And this is from a website uh, called, uh, found, I found called ancient-wisdom, ancient-wisdom.com. Uh, here they they were following what's going on with these spirals. So on the summer solstice, a single sliver of sunlight, which she dubbed Sun Dagger, appeared at the top of the largest spiral and over a period of 18 minutes sliced its way down through the very center, cutting the spiral in half before leaving it in the shadow once again. On the winter solstice, two daggers of light appeared for 49 minutes, during which they exactly framed the large spiral. Now, this is really interesting, <laughs> which I, it boggles my mind to think of, of what kind, kind of calculations they had to do to, to get the, the next one. Okay, so the equinoxes, both equinoxes, the large spiral carved in such a way that if you, you go from the uh, center outward to the right, there are nine grooves. So in each equinox, a dagger of light appeared that cut through the large spiral, not through the center, but exactly between the fourth and fifth groups grooves from the center. So exactly halfway between the solstices, which is when the equinoxes hit. And when I read that, you didn't hear me because I had the mic off. <laughs> when I read that, it gave me chills to think about that to think about how exact that is. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. 
Now there's other light displays, uh, other light displays that are that you'll find from other places. Like there's another Anasazi ruin in Hoven Weeps National Monument near the borders of Utah and Colorado. And light beams also illuminate spiral petroglyphs in at the summer solstice. I talked about the Borough Flats in Southern California and the winter solstice sun points a finger of light in the center of five concentric rings. Um, there's some other places too. I've got bad news though about the the one in Chaco Canyon. Uh, the the granite slabs had shifted, so now we've lost that forever. The way that the the Anasazi had set that up, um, we're not going to get that that light show anymore. It's kind of sad, but this all stems from my new word that I've learned. Archaeoastronomy, prehistoric astrom astronomers. You think about how amazing, how amazing it was to uh, to have figured this stuff out when they had no idea of the Tropic of Cancer, the Tropic of Capricorn, um, what was going on the way that we do. They they were never in space to see the Earth from space. And it's just amazing the amount of of uh, of uh, <laughs> the amount of, of uh intricacies. The the amount of this is just uh, stunning. I can I can't can't even imagine. But it's it's really cool. Archaeo astronomy. Uh apparently you can go to classes just on this. I'm going to have to look this up. I am definitely going to have to go and look this up. Uh, I came out of the song Gaia Lives from Ginger Doss talking about how you can get a copy of the Green Album. <laughs> Thegreenalbum.net. It's a good gift for anyone. You don't have to be pagan to love the Green Album. Uh, it's you. You don't even have to be somebody who really wants to save the environment, but I hope you are that type of person. Uh, these beautiful songs from from these amazing artists. Uh, you've got Ginger Doss, Ashley Tucker. Last week when I went through the list, I forgot Kellyanna. I'm sorry, Kellyanna. Sharon Knight in Winter. Uh, Becca Kelso, Celia. A, a lot of Bet Bryant Hankey, um Spiral Rhythm, Spiral Dance. Uh, you know, once I start going through the list, I feel like I have to do the entire list. We've <laughs> got Murphy's Midnight Rounders, uh, Said S.J. Tucker, Becca Kelso, Wendy Rule, and uh, Said Brian Hankey, Chihuahua Murphy's Midnight Rounders. I think I got everybody. Dave the Bard. I did not get Dave the Bard. So if I've forgotten anyone, I, I surely uh, I apologize. But if you think about how we are today as, as modern-day pagans, Wiccans, whatever path you follow, we need to know what is going on with the cycles of the Earth. In order to do our, our spots and our sabbats, we need to know when the equinox is, when the longest day of the year is, when the shortest day of the year is. And we've got almanacs, we've got you know Google. That's what I did today. Last night, I actually Googled. <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm like making this like wow we've got Google they didn't have Google in ancient times of course they didn't have Google in ancient times but but 
they were so much more in touch with the seasons of the earth, with the ebb and flow of the year, of the moon, the the the, the light and the dark, and so much of, of how they lived depended on the sun coming back. And we know the sun comes back. I'm sure they did as well, but it still was a very scary time until till the till the days got shorter. You know, you didn't know if you were going to be able to make it through the entire winter. You didn't know. So I am looking for another another song to play. And I think I know what I want to play. I want to play some Dave the Bard. So we're going to play Dave the Bard and the Wheel. And I'll be back to talk about some more science. Okay. See my lady smile at me 
The Bard and the Wheel on Pagan Tonight Radio Network. The Wheel of the Year keeps on turning. Yeah, you could you could probably use that Journey song. By the way, congratulations, Journey. Now in in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> um, that's a Pagan song. I'd like to. I, I wonder if we can get like one of our Pagan artists to do The Wheel in the Sky as a Pagan song. <laughs> uh, okay, we're talking about archaeo astronomy. Which is it's it's fascinating to me. I didn't realize that there was so much. Um, I knew that there were a lot of sites, but I didn't realize that there was so much out there specifically geared towards archaeoastronomy and some of the the cool uh, sites that I'm, I'm looking at. Now I talked about Newgrange, and also in Ireland, there's a Dromberg stone stone circle. Uh, at winter solstice, the sun sets into a V formed by two distant overlapping hills and makes an alignment in the altar stone with two main and the two main uprights. So, due to the nature of the site and the western hills, local sunset is about um, about 3:50 at night. So, that is that. I've, I've seen stories about that Dromberg Stone Circle. You can look that one up as well. And I am uh, looking at the giant's churches in Finland. They're about 20 meters to over 70 meters long rectangular oval stone enclosures built in the Neolithic areas, era, which is like, you know, we're talking about 3,000 to 1,800 BCE. 
They have an axis and doorway orientation towards sunrises and sunsets. Of solstice is another calendar, calendrically <laughs> significant days. Um, so the largest of the giants, uh, of the, the giants' churches, has five gates. The wall open, openings oriented towards midsummer sunset, winter solstice sunrise, winter solstice sunset, and the sunrises of the mid-quarter days of early May. Which oh, I should talk about this one. Mid-quarter days of early May. August, as well as sunrise 11 days before the vernal equinox. So mid-quarter days. Um, if I do that, I'm going to start talking about astrology, only astrology. So I'll wait. I'll wait on that one. What I am looking at is a site on, it's on, a, it's on Wikipedia, actually. <laughs> it's on Wikipedia. And uh, it's a, uh, I just looked up archaeo, uh astrological sites, and it's a list of, of all of them. And they're not all going to be about the, um, the solstice. There's some really cool ones about the, the moon. And if you think that trying to, to, to track the sun is difficult, trying to track the lunar, the months, it's, it's trickier. So there is a place called Michelle. It's a Neolithic chambered cairn or passage grave. It's in the Orkney Isles of Scotland, probably built around 2800 BCE. And it uh, is significant. It's a superlative monument to that by its originally originality of execution is listed out in a class into a unique position. So there are UNESCO World Heritage Sites, and they track the um, they track the the solstice there as well. So you might want to check that one out. Um, I just find this very interesting, and I hope you do too. <laughs> I hope you do too. Um, I, I thought about this when I was like talking to Natalie last week with the Magical Destinations of the Northeast, her book from Llewellyn, and how cool it would be to uh, to go to all these different places. So you can you don't even have to you know go. There's going to be almost all over the earth. You're going to find places like this, uh, places that are that ancient people have put together. Uh, Put together these calendars, these stone calendars, these these erections that are like amazing. So, just looking at some of the other stuff to talk about, and yeah, I'm looking at some of the. <laughs> I thought I only saw Carhenge. Carhenge, by the way, I don't think follows any. There is a Carhenge. There is. I've been to Carhenge actually. It's in Nebraska, in the Panhandle of Nebraska, and I don't think it. It's. I don't think it's astronomically uh, correct. I don't know. I can look it up. Carhenge. I wonder if there's a bunch of people out in the cow fields in Nebraska of Alliance, Nebraska. 
uh, trying to see when the, the solstice hits. Yeah. Oh, wow, cool. The car engine's 30th birthday is this year. So they're predicting a, a party, and, and, and we, can, we can all go there. <laughs> August 21st, 2017, car hench will be in the direct path of a total solar eclipse. I might just have to go to Carhenge. So in the sand hills of Nebraska, they they built a, a replica of Stonehenge using cars. So yeah, again, I don't know if it's if they uh, lined it up like Stonehenge, but. It, it's pretty cool. It actually they they painted the cars gray, and when I went there, it was in the in the night, a full moon night, and I went barefoot dancing around Carhenge, so it was almost as if I were not in Stonehenge. So <laughs> you can go check out Carhenge sometime. Like uh like I mentioned, it's the thirtieth. I'll have to see if I can find somebody uh, from Carhenge to do in uh, uh Pagans Tonight episode about Carhenge. Um, again, when I'm looking at these, this list of archaeo-astronomical sites by country, uh, I've got, got 37 countries listed here, and a lot of them have more than one, one, uh, more than one. In the United States has one, two, three. America, Stonehenge, and New Hampshire. America's Stonehenge. I've heard about this. It's in the town of uh, Salem, New Hampshire. And America's Stonehenge is open to the public for a fee. And it was first dubbed Mystery Hill in 1937. I've, I've heard about this. Yes. We'll have to check it out. Um, it was featured in the site in... Uh, American History, uh, 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 sorry, History Channel TV series, Secrets of the Ancient World, and there's a theory that it was built by Celts in the New World. I don't know. Anyhow, America Stonehenge. So um, let let me talk about what I was going to talk about with the with the astrology um, and the cross the cross things. I don't know how many times I've, I brought this up here. It's one. It's this is stuff that I I bring up a lot. Um, but when we're talking about this, this solstices and the beginning of uh, and then equinoxes. Whenever we hit a solstice or an equinox, we're talking about the beginning of a new season, right? The solstices are the time of the year, twice a year, when it appears as the sun stands still. It gets to the highest. Spot, spot or the lowest spot of the, the uh, on the horizon, and then starts going the other direction. It appears to stand still for three days. That's what solstice literally means: sun standing still. So then it hits the equinoxes, where that means literally equal night, and that's when we're in the, in the balance. So right now we've hit the the darkest part of the year, and we're now going into the lightest part of the year. But what's more, uh, significant about this is, well, what's astrologically, if we're talking about the zodiac, significant, it's when the sun enters um, the four cardinal signs, when the sun enters the cardinal sign. So when it enters Capricorn, 
is when the sun is directly over the Tropic of Capricorn. And that's when we have winter ending, or sorry, the beginning of winter here and Yule in the north, northern hemisphere. So um, in the middle of every season, I don't usually talk about this, in the middle of every season, that's where we have our, our uh, cross-quarter Sabbaths, holidays. In the middle of every season are your, your four fixed signs, and that's where you're going to have, I'm going to start from here from this point on. Uh, we're going to have in bulk in the middle of, of Aquarius. In the middle of Taurus, we're going to have um, we're going to have Beltane. In the middle of Leo, we're going to have Lamas, and in the middle, or Lunasa, and in the middle of of Scorpio, we're going to have Salon. So I can tell you this: but the when you when you do this archaeo astrology, and you look at some of the the things that are out there uh, about archaeo astrology, and you find some of the hidden things that have been uh, that have been that ancient wisdom. Again, I, I was talking about the the site ancientwisdom.com. If you find some of these things that have been ancient wisdom that have been hidden um, in in our uh, in like the Bible, <laughs> uh, there's some talk that the the twelve tribes of um, of Israel may have been the 12 signs and how it wanders through the skies. I don't know about that. I, I'm not sure if I can get into to that. But I, I can tell you that in, um, in, um, in the Bible, uh, in, I can't remember the title of the book. See, I'm not Christian. <laughs> but, uh, in the Bible, there's a, a book about uh, the Revelation. Duh. Well, I figured it out. I had a revelation. Um, they talk about the beast that has the four the four heads, and they talk about it. You know, the faces, the face of the bull, the face of the the um, face of the bull, the face of the lion, the face of the eagle, and the angel, the face of the man. And those are the four fixed signs. We're talking about Taurus. We're talking about the lion as Leo, and then the eagle. Uh, you may or may not know that the eagle Scorpio is also um, the eagle is also a symbol of Scorpio, and then the man is Aquarius. So the four fixed signs of the of the zodiac are in the middle of all of our seasons, um, and it's it's interesting to look at at, at the history. And, and I love the archaeological sites, um, finding out about how they, how did they, how did they know, how did they know how to build something like Newgrange, where the sun would come down and pierce the tomb on the solstice every year. Uh as I'm studying more on this, I'm, I'm looking at some pretty cool uh, things here where there's a, a bone plate that has a bunch of dots in it that if you didn't really look at it, if you didn't know what you were looking at, it shows basically the moon, waxing and waning moon. Uh, the oldest 
image of the star pattern of that very famous constellation of Orion has been recognized. And then ivory tablet that is some 32,500 years old. There are 86 notches on the tablet, a number that has two special meanings. First, it is the number of days that must be subtracted from a year to equal the average number of days of a human gestation. So it's no coincidence, says Dr. Raffengluck, that it's the number of days that one of Orion's two prominent stars, Betelgeuse, is visible to ancient man. This may have also linked human fertility with the gods in the sky. There you go. Well, whatever you're doing for Yule, I, I hope you, uh, you're having a good Yule. And that... Uh, I hope you're having a, a good Yule. And I hope you keep it warm. <laughs> uh, and if you're down in, in the, the Southern Hemisphere, I hope that you're keeping cool um, and enjoying... The, the summer in the, the southern hemisphere uh, I want to go ahead and play a, another song and I'll see if there's anything else I want to come back and discuss after let's play Bell Looking Canto I'm going to try to get them on the show I'll tell you a little bit what I've got coming up got some really exciting things coming up on the show uh, starting next week and into the new year including we'll be talking to Raven Digitalis he will be my guest in January and we'll be talking about his brand new book also I've got some other books from Llewellyn that I want to talk about maybe try to get the authors on as guests and I've got some more musical guests and Bell Book and Canto we were talking in the summertime about them coming on the show again I love them those ladies are so cool uh, I don't know exactly what happened in their schedule to make that not happen, but I'm sure we can get that to happen very soon. So if you have not heard But to Bell Book and Canto, it's kind of like um, pagan choral music. And this is Winter Solstice, Bell Book and Canto, on Pagan's Night Radio Network. Yeah. 
Bell-Booking Canto and Winter Solstice on KM Tonight Radio Network. Um, thank you for coming and hanging out with me tonight, talking about uh, archaeo-astronomical sites. <laughs> there's, um, there's a lot to learn of this, a lot to, to talk about. I'm just looking at some of the passage mounds that can be found uh, a lot in Ireland, uh, you know, one of which being Newgrange. That's the uh, a mound where the sun is, where there's a tunnel oriented to the sunrise at, usually at the, the solstice, at the, the winter solstice. But there's some other ones in Wales and France and Portugal and Spain. If you ever had a chance, one of the places I've always wanted to go also is Malta. Malta has uh, amazing temples and all set up to catch the, the line of the sun and the you know the different astronomical events related to the sun. A lot of people, um, when I talk about astrology, they kind of roll their eyes because they think that it's all about you know what you read in the paper. Or when you're talking about, um, you know, who's the best match for me? I'm a Pisces. It's more than that. And as a pagan, it has to be more than, you know, when you're looking at the psychological aspects of astrology. It has to be deeply connected. In my opinion, it has to be deeply connected with your, your understanding the wheel of the year and how the wheel of the year works. And this is... You know, this is my soapbox. This is Tammy's soapbox of how important understanding astrology in terms of the wheel of the year and how the sun progresses through the signs. It's to me, it's extremely important. Uh, one of the things that I I love to teach is is astrology and not you know what sign is best for me. It's again, what is the sun doing? during different times of the year and why. Here's one that I didn't know until recently, um, Aquarius. It's the water bearer, right? So therefore, one would assume that it is a water sign. You would be wrong if you said that Aquarius was a water sign. Aquarius is an air sign. And if you know anything about Aquarians, Aquarians are typically, uh, they... They like to be different, but they don't want to be an outcast. It's very important for them to belong to friends and groups and stuff, but they have to be the innovator, and they they have to shock people. They have to be the weirdos. I always say that, that Aquarians are weird, and I say that 
meaning, you know, <laughs> I say that being uh, with much affection because my, my eldest granddaughter is an Aquarius, and, and we tease her a lot for some of the, the innovative things that she comes up with. Um, but Aquarius is an air sign. And I, I wondered for, for a long time, why is Aquarius and uh, a wa- called the water carrier, the water bearer, but it's an air sign. But it has to do with that time of year in Europe and the rains that come from that time of year. That's part of why it's it's good to understand what's going on in the wheel of the year with the with the, with astrology, because when you know that now it is a sign of Capricorn. Why? Because we had Yule, we had the solstice. And when you know that when the solstices and equinoxes happen, equini, that you're going to go into a um, you're leaving a mutable sign and going into a cardinal sign. And I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to try to get astrologers again back on on the show as as guests, and we can talk about this later. Um, but again, if you can look up uh, archaeo astrology, or sorry, archaeo yeah, archaeo astrology, you'll find some really archaeo astronomy. Astronomy and astrology. Astronomy is the science of where the the, the um, where the astronomical, where the celestial bodies are, and astrology, of course, is the you know the talking about the uh, predictions and the divination using the the signs, uh, the stars, and such. Um, I heard a very really good quote from John Beckett on patheos.com about uh, the fact that Mercury is in retrograde. Uh, and it talks about, you know, the stars don't rule our lives, or the planets, in this case, Mercury. They don't rule our lives, but it's all about how they influence our lives. So, again, the love of of the cycles of the, the sun and the moon and the earth is what is, to me, the driving thing of what paganism, ancient paganism, is and was, and the fact that a lot of us have lost touch with the ebb and flow of the year, the ebb and flow of the the moon, and just the seasons and stuff. I think that that's, that connection, trying to find that connection again, is one of the most important things that one can do as a pagan, however you do it. And with uh, the solstice here, with the Yule solstice here, with uh, with this time of year, one of the things that I find very one of the things that I find that I love about this time of year is how family is highlighted, bringing family together, bringing everybody together. And if you think about ancient times when it was really dark and really cold, everybody would come in and everybody would huddle. And this would be the time of year that, hey, let's all bring presents because we're going to, you know, make it. We made it, yes. And this is a very important time for community. That's why we have the feast. That's why we have the Yule Log. That's why we give presents and that's why we welcome goodwill to people. Um so I wanted to play a song before I ended that to me marks that 
and I love this song. Um, and hopefully, I'm working on this. I don't know. I've tried to work on this before and haven't been able to get a hold of her uh, to be a guest. But I did get a hold of her to get permission to play the song from Dar Williams. Uh, it's called The Christians and the Pagans. I'll play that before I, I end. Uh, if there's any suggestions that you would like to have for any show here on Pagans Tonight Radio Network, not just my show, um, you can contact any of us. We're on 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 uh, on Facebook, Pagans Tonight Radio Network. Join the or like our our community page, Pagans Tonight Radio Network. And again, I have a, a musician coming on. I'm, I'm working on getting a musician on for next week. I'll have Raven, 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 Raven Digitalis. That's what we'll call him. I'll let him know that that's his new name. I will have him on in January. I have some really cool books that came in from Llewellyn uh, to go over a crystal oracle deck that I'll talk to you about and see if I can get those authors on to talk about what's going to happen in 2017. So let's put positive thoughts on what's going to happen in 2017. We've got one more show of the year, one more pagan variety show of the year. Um, and we will have Jason. Is Jason going to be back next week? Let's see. Yes, Jason Mankey will be back on Raise the Horns Radio. He is the editor, the pagan editor for Patheos.com. If you haven't had a chance to check out Patheos.com, it's, um, it's well worth it. Some very good, very good blogs on there. Even, you know, pagan, Christian, all sorts of religion, all sorts of beliefs are um, highlighted on patheos.com. Um, trying to think of any other people that I have slated definitely for the, the coming year. It's going to be a brand new year. That's what the solstice is about. And it's all about the sun coming back into our lives and the light coming back into our lives and the positive coming back into our lives. We've had a pretty dark, <laughs> pretty dark uh Pretty dark time here uh, recently. Whether I'm not, I'm going to talk about politics briefly. I'm not saying whether your person won or, or lost or anything like that, but just a lot of, a lot of um, ill feelings towards people. So now is the time to start mending those fences, and now is the time to start w working towards a better 2017 for everybody. So let's try to bring some light into everyone's lives because that's what we are. We're the witches. We're the light bringers. I will see you again next next week here on Pagan Variety Show on Pagan's Tonight Radio Network. Tomorrow, the Tree of Life Show. Friday, Corellian Family Hour. Then on Saturday, I don't think this Saturday, yes, this Saturday, there will be a uh, of one of our new shows is the Walking the Unnamed Path, and it's, it's for uh, men who love men. It's a specific... Uh, pagan path for, for queer men. So really excited to have that on, on our network. I have no idea if we're going to have a uh, Voices Paganus. I should reach out to the hosts and find out on Christmas. But um, if we don't, we'll probably run a best of. They're an amazing group of people, and I'm so happy to have the uh, pagan voices as part of the network. I erringly said last week that we have the only Spanish pagan shows. Um, I forgot that has spun off from Pagans Tonight is Pagans Tonight Español, which is a network specifically for Spanish-speaking pagans. So uh, I can find out more information, or you can look there on Blog Talk, Pagans Tonight, P-T-R-N-E, 
Espanol. Uh, again, we'll have Laura Gonzalez back on Monday for Lunatic Mondays on the day after Christmas on Boxing Day. And Tuesdays is all about Circle Sanctuary, Selena Fox, and the Sanctuary Ministers have uh, Circle Sanctuary Ministers always bring some very good shows for us here on Pagan's Night Radio Network. Again, try to reach me if you have ideas for new shows in the coming year or new topics for us to have on Pagan's Tonight. And thank you so much. Have a wonderful Christmas, Yule, however you want to celebrate. Make sure you try to do it with somebody that, uh, with people who, who will bring warmth and light into your life. Dar Williams, Christians and the Pagan. Amber called her uncle, said we're up here for the holiday. Jane and I were having solstice, now we need a place to stay. And her Christ-loving uncle watched his wife hang Mary on a tree. You watched his son hang candy canes, all made with red dye number three. He told us need this Christmas Eve I know our life is not just style She said, Christmas is like solstice And we miss you, and it's been a while So the Christians and our pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground The best that they were able Just before the meal was served Hands were held and prayers were said Sending hope for peace on earth To all their gods and goddesses The tree plugged in, the meal had gone without a hitch Till Timmy turned to Amber and said Is it true that you're a witch? His mom jumped up and said The pies are burning and she hit the kitchen And it was Jane who spoke She said it's true because it's not a Christian But we love trees, we love the snow The friends we have, the world we share And you find magic from your God And we find magic everywhere so the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able Where does magic come from? I think magic's in the learning Cause now when Christians sit with pagans, only pumpkin pies are burning Tried to do the dishes Her aunt said really no Don't bother Amber's uncle saw How Amber looked like him And like her father He thought about his brother How they hadn't spoken in a year He thought he'd call him up And say it's Christmas And your daughter's here He thought of father's sons and brothers Saw his own son tuck his sleeve Saying can I be a pagan Dad said we'll discuss it When they leave so the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able Lighting trees in darkness, learning the ways from the old And making sense of history and drawing warmth out of the
listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 